There's a place here at the table Your coats go by the door You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor I hope you wore elastic Cause your waistband's gonna get tight Take time's done, we're having a night Hi guys, I'm Sophie And I'm Ari And you're listening to Having a Night, a podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party recently featured in Us Weekly. Yes, we were on the buzz, buzz, buzz meter which P.S., we used to get Us Weekly at my house. Also, I worked there as an intern one summer. Yeah, P.P.S. And I loved the buzz meter so I actually feel quite chuffed to be featured in it. I'm so proud of us, even though I'm not sure what we did to earn this accolade, but I'm happy, happy to uh, hopefully reach some young readers. Next stop, okay. Ooh, yeah. Daily maybe. Mirror. Yeah. Daily, you know what? Keep us out of the Daily Mirror, actually. That probably means we like accidentally lit ourselves on fire and like showed our tits or something. So yeah. <laughs> should we start with what you ate this week? Sure, but you go first. Ooh, okay. I'd love to go first because I'm so excited about what I'm going to talk about because it's a way of cooking spinach that I think probably a lot of people don't know. It's the Austrian way of making spinach and it's a pureed spinach. So it's great in the winter in particular when you don't have access to great fresh spinach and I'll buy like the bird's eye frozen spinach packs it's like, what a great frozen vegetable. Oh my God, I love them. Also because they don't come in plastic. They just come in like foil and cardboard. It's so genius. So true, true. yesterday we did it with frozen spinach, but you could also do it with fresh spinach. So put the frozen spinach, just defrost it according to the package instructions, which was seven minutes on high. And then you sort of break it up with a fork and keep it covered. And then two more minutes in the microwave. Can you believe me talking about microwavable cooking on this show? Then you put it into a blender. Or your food processor. I used a food processor with like three tablespoons of butter, nutmeg, white pepper, and salt. And you blend it until it becomes like a really beautiful puree. And Mm -hmm. it's so good. I mean, yes, it's definitely like food that you don't need teeth to eat, but I'm okay with that. The nutmeg is so perfect. And like spinach actually is quite sweet in a way. Oh, P.S. Sorry, you have to drain it first. You just like put it in my next question press it out. But then actually you save the spinach water in case you want to thin it out a little bit. It depends on what texture you like. Like if you want oh, it know, yeah. or sort of a little bit more runny. Uh-huh. Ari's making a face at me like she's like, yeah, I'm never <laughs> going to make this, but it's so <sighs> good. It's all the things that you want with your spinach, but just that texture. I don't know. It's very, it's very Viennese. Brings me straight to Plahuta in Vienna. Love that. There's so, seems like similar across cult, cultural, like uh, in Persian food, there's a similar uh, spinach dish. And also um, in Indian food, right? Isn't like a paneer, like- Like a sog. Right? Well, like a sog. A sog is not pureed. So uh-huh. like a sog is usually like it's cooked pretty long and it's like wilted and really yummy. And it's like if you took that and then put it into your- food processor. So it's like mm-hmm. a really kind of silky puree. Got it's it. So good. I mean, in a way I'm like, I could eat any vegetable puree. There's just something about the texture that's so comforting. Yeah. Really loved that spinach. And you could also, I was thinking you could do it like with cream and with like 
milk and garlic you could use. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You could sort of fool around with it, but I think nutmeg, white pepper, white pepper, really an unsung hero <laughs> in my house. My dad's obsessed with white pepper. So consequently I am too. What? We should do a pepper episode. We haven't we done that. should definitely do a pepper episode. Oh my God. Let's do a salt and pepper episode and play or a chip hour and play only salt and pepper. Nice. Music. But don't you, but I feel like Salt requires its own episode. It's such a big thing. It's such a topic. A two-parter. Could be a two-parter. For sure. Okay, what did you eat this week? Okay, I wanted to go second because I made a dish that is super appropriate for today's episode. I made a mushroom pasta that was so good because when I I had pre-made these mushrooms, um, I kind of like braised them, but I also had used some dry mushrooms to make a broth. So they were super brothy. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to make some spaghetti. I'm, I parboiled the spaghetti in heavily salted water as usual, but then I finished it in this mushroom broth with the mushrooms Whoa. that was boiling. So not, not too much. I mean, I was like super careful because I wanted there to like at the end only be enough to for the sauce. I didn't want it like drowning in there, Yeah. but I basically cooked it longer in the sauce than I usually would have because I wanted it to cook more and absorb. Yeah. Yeah. So then the, I mean, it wasn't the most beautifully colored pasta. Well, it depends on who you ask. I thought it was gorgeous, but it got, you know, a little kind of gray, brown, taupe, mushroom colored, if you will. But the noodles themselves just really took on that umami mushroom brothy flavor. And then that with the little mushrooms floating in it. And I didn't even have any Parmesan. I think that was it. And it was so good. I mean, there were some shallots in there, but using pasta and mushroom broth, highly recommend. Well, I love that idea. And also it makes me think, why don't people cook pasta more in broths? Mm -hmm. Like, of course there's like tortelli and brodo. Like there are things that incorporate broth like imagine just cooking your pasta in a broth. I mean, it would yeah. be so flavorful. Yeah, you wouldn't even need a sauce. Yeah, I mean, it might be too flavorful. Is there any such thing? Might. I don't know. I mean, the pasta, the flavor of pasta itself is actually quite strong and pleasing. You know what I mean? If yes. you salt it correctly. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's just something for us to look into. I know there are there have definitely been some like chef hacks that I've I've seen like tasty videos of of people cooking pasta only with the amount of water that they need or basically in a yeah with with the other things floating in it like if there if I don't know there's a vegetable that's going in it that needs to be poached it all goes in at once and then the water evaporates and then it's done. I mean, I don't know. We should experiment. Yeah. I also like the idea of doing that. And then at the end, just adding like a big hunk of butter, like, you know, like adding enough butter to then suddenly sort of like emulsify it and make it really creamy. Oh, I definitely did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm hungry. Well, we're going to be cooking quite soon. Yes, we are. Oh my God. Yes. Sophie and I are doing our first of hopefully many cooking classes with a very special listener named Alex. Her boyfriend reached out to us and asked if we did such a thing. And we were like, now we do, dream come true. (laughs) She's vegetarian and we are gonna make some mushroom tacos with her and some guacamole and uh, some margaritas. We're excited and we thought, you know, when we found out she was vegetarian, we were like, oh no, what are we gonna do? 
you know, even though Sophie, you you do eat veg, you eat like a vegetarian a lot. Yeah, I, mean, I do. If anyone listens to the show, they know that. But we were nervous, and then we thought, oh my god, obviously mushrooms. And then we thought, oh my god, what are we going to do for our episode this week? Obviously mushrooms. Mushrooms. We're we so excited, mushrooms, to talk to you about the fungus among us. Oh my gosh, mushrooms. <laughs> What a topic. It's like, we thought corn was everywhere. Mushrooms are everywhere. It's crazy. Literally, spores are everywhere. They're so cool. Okay. I want to start off with some numbers because obviously, as you guys know, not all mushrooms are edible. Of course, they're not edible because there are 50,000 species of mushrooms. But the truth is only one to 2% are poisonous. So like technically, 49,500 are edible, but you just wouldn't want to eat them. Only 20 of those 50,000 are actually flavorful and delicious. And the rest of them are like woody and gelatinous and, or smell bad or are just bland. Is that wow. Crazy? I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was like a firm number for how many are edible, which actually feels comforting. You know what I mean? That it's like, I, these are the ones you can eat as, as opposed to, well, maybe we can eat that. You know, it's a, it's right. a, it feels like a, a, a number I can handle. Oh, 20. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like, we've basically already conquered the edible mushroom world. Mm-hmm. If it's really only 20. I mean, I think the thing is like, has, have people really tried to make all 50,000 species of mushrooms delicious? Hard to say. A lot of them died in the process. Yeah, exactly. So they are a fungus guys, which means that unlike plants, they don't require sunlight to make energy. Just like, like us. Us. We are actually more identical to mushrooms than we are to plants, you guys. Isn't that nuts? We're very similar. Yeah. We eat dead matter. We need dead matter to subsist. We we don't just convert sunlight into energy. It's crazy. So cool. God. I always knew I was a mushroom. (laughs) So there's also two kinds of mushrooms, aside from obviously the 50,000 kinds, there's Hypogenus, I think, which means that they grow below ground, like a truffle. And then there's epigenus, which means they grow above ground, like most of the mushrooms that we have because, yeah. You know, I didn't really fully realize that truffles grew underground. I feel really? so stupid. Yeah, no. So you that you have to dig them out? Yeah, that's why you have a truffle pig. So Wait, you have- there, Oh my God. Yeah. Is there anything above ground to, to show you that it would be there? So you need a pig. Oh, you no, can't you just go sniffing around. No. You, you, or like looking for some telltale sign that they're under there. I mean, you could be the truffle pig and like walk around on your hands and knees <laughs> sniffing the earth, but I don't even think your nose would be attuned enough. But I'm, I told you last, I'm very sensitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you need an animal or something to help you sniff out those truffles. Yeah. So that's pretty wild. I just thought that was very cool that it's like, There is something completely edible and completely delicious that's just growing underground, waiting to be discovered. It's so cool. (laughs) Okay, they're also crazy healthy. A single portobello mushroom contains more potassium than a banana. Which is great news for all the banana haters out there like myself. You're a banana hater? Ugh, I'm just so nonplussed. Okay, what about like banana ice cream? Yes, yes, I've had it. It's good. Okay. But I would much rather eat a mushroom than a banana to get my potassium. Unless it was ice cream. That's the one exception. I, okay, this was my favorite quote that I saw that I found today in doing my research. Mushrooms are neither fruit nor a vegetable. Mushrooms are not even plants. 
Mushrooms are a type of fungi. So if you are the type of person who only eats mushrooms, do not dare call yourself a vegetarian. What would you call yourself? A fungitarian? A fungitarian? Also, there's no person who only eats mushrooms, although you could probably subsist on mushrooms alone. Did you know that 30 species of mushrooms are bioluminescent? Of course you knew you wrote that down. It's so cool, guys. Really look up, go look up foxfire mushrooms. If you've never seen a bioluminescent mushroom, they're bright green. You can read a book by these things. Like they're so bright and so intense. I think it's so cool. Also, a mushroom is the world's largest living organism. I'm sorry, guys. I'm like so excited by fungus. (laughs) She's jumping out of her seat. It's so cool. After doing all this research this morning, I started following all these mushroom people on Instagram. And now I'm like getting all these like psilocybin people following me. Oh, wow. Tell me more about this giant mushroom. It covers 2,200 square acres and is 2,400 years old. And it's in the blue Oregon. Isn't that cool? Wow. I'm just imagining just like a huge button mushroom, which obviously it doesn't look like. Which that would be amazing. Oh my god! No, it's more of like a mat. It's like a like you can tell that it's like a network of fungus. It's like this kind of white and brown and yellowish like mat, and mm-hmm. it's twenty two hundred acres. It's so incredible. I mean, yes, mushrooms yes. were here before plants were here, guys. In case you didn't know, so that's pretty darn cool. Dropping fungal knowledge. Last year, I bought my husband Harry because the two of us love mushrooms so much, a year long subscription to the New York Mycological Association, which is like the, a mushroom foraging group. Not so realizing good. that people know so much about mushrooms. I thought, sort of thought it was like, well, go and look for like oyster, oyster mushrooms. I didn't realize that it was like, they just are interested in all kinds of fungus, like slime molds and everything. So it was very cool. The leader, we, so we like took all these mushrooms and like found all these mushrooms and they save all of the types and the leader holds up a mushroom. So I of course go over to smell it because like, you know, (laughs) that's what you do with a mushroom. Right. And he's like, Oh no, 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 don't smell it. Don't smell it. Because the spores of this particular mushroom are known to be able to take root in your brain. Mm -hmm. This is an actual thing. It's called rhinocerebral mucormycosis. Mm-hmm. And it basically means that the fungus takes root in your sinus, your nasal passages, your brain. I wouldn't recommend going to look it up because it's pretty intense, but yep. it's really wild. They're very strong, these creatures. In a way, it's I'm nuts. like, wait, is fungus the original alien? Like it, they're, the qualities of a fungus are so alien in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And they're all over. And also what was really interesting about going on this, so we went to Staten Island to go mushroom foraging, which was, you know, quite a trek. Wild. Saturday wild. night at 7 a.m. <laughs> You're wild. All the way to Staten Island. But once you are aware of all the different forms that it can come in, you start seeing it everywhere. It's very, very cool. If you are going mushroom foraging, just really make sure that you are not picking ones that are poisonous. Please, 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 please. Mushrooms that are poisonous can kill you. So definitely go foraging. Bring a book with you. That tells you. Bring a you, book. Not just any book, a mushroom book. Yeah, bring a book. You know, just bring it up. Heavy reading. Yeah. Why don't we talk about edible types and then we can talk about the parts of the mushroom because I know this beginning has been very dry and very scientific. Let's do it. Name them. 
Okay, the first so, one, of course, is woodier, which I talked about last week. And guys, apparently in other parts of the world, it's called the juicier. So no, woodier. Look, come on. That is canceled. We can't say that. Porcini. Love a porcini. Grape dried. Chanterelle, the only mushrooms I've ever found foraging. The button mushroom, of course. Too famous. Portobello. Yeah. It's uh, widely known. Yep. yep. It's, uh, ubiquitous. Shiitake, very cool because they are a very, very, are the best source of the umami compound guanosine monophosphate. I mean, how cool is that? What? Yeah. Ugh. MSG. The truffle. Of course. White, black. Mm-hmm. Oyster mushrooms, and there are different types. Like today we are cooking, well, Sophie's cooking an oyster mushroom. I'm cooking a king oyster, which is also known as a trumpet, a king trumpet, which is probably also different than a regular trumpet. And those are widely used in vegetarian and vegan cuisines because they, they're they the only, king oyster mushrooms are the only type uh, of mushrooms, I believe, whose stem is not only edible because a few others are also edible, but it, they're super flavorful and the texture gets stringy. So people use them as a, a meat substitute a lot. Yeah. It can be shredded. See, I would always rather have like a mushroom that's cooked as if it's meat than a fake meat. You know what I mean? Like I'm so yes. into having a mushroom, like mushroom carnitas that we're making tonight. Of course I'm into eating it. You know, it's like, that sounds so much more delicious to me than like seitan, which I also kind of like seitan, but like I don't know. I would just rather have a vegetable that's cooked as if it's meat. I would agree. Okay, thank you. Definitely. We've got the hen of the woods mushrooms, which guys, please don't confuse the hen of the woods with the chicken of the woods or the lobster of the woods. And now do all of those grow up high on trees? They'll grow on trees. Okay. Because those uh, are the ones that like stick out of the tree. Are they all orange? So hen of the woods are brown or white. Chicken of the woods are like yellowish and lobster of the woods are red. Right. But I recently had some chicken of the woods and it didn't taste so good. Really? Did you cook it? Yeah. We cooked it and we made it in like a cream sauce. Like we did like a pasta with it. And the texture was just not that delicious. I have to say, which made me kind of sad. It's like, listen, of course I'm going to eat it. I'm so excited. We found them. But mm-hmm. it's not mm, not as satisfying as you want. Um, the enoki, so sweet, so cute. Usually used in like Asian cuisines, floating around in a beautiful soup. A shabu shabu with enoki. Enoki are oh man, I love enoki mushrooms so much because they're the really really thin ones. They're like also called like needle mushrooms. Mm-hmm. They're really really thin, but then they're usually like their base. They're all stuck together. So it's yeah. like, you're not just eating a mushroom. You're eating like 100 mushrooms in one bite. So it's so satisfying. <laughs> so satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I love that. I also want to shout out to the giant puffball mushroom, which I did not know was a type of edible mushroom. A few weeks ago, I was alerted to the presence of a very large, like larger than a volleyball guys, round mushroom in the yard uh, of my boyfriend's parents' house. And I just thought it was the funniest looking big thing. It was just like a little alien sitting there. And I told Sophie about it. And she's like, oh yeah, we made one of those last week. It's called a giant puffball. Didn't know that you could eat them. So I'm very excited to uh, chop it up. 
Yeah. And did you know that um, giant puffball mushrooms, so the way that mushrooms like make other mushrooms, they release spores and they're releasing them just constantly. I think it's something like 30,000 per second. And that's also why they can be so rare because it's like super unlikely that I guess certain spores will meet and create more mushrooms. But anyway, the giant puffball creates the the most, like a trillion in its lifetime, which is not very long, you know? Wow. So it's, I don't know how to do the math, but it's a lot per second. If all of the spores turned into mushrooms, then the entire surface of the planet would be several feet deep in giant puffballs. Guys, you have to look up a giant puffball because then you can imagine our world in several feet of giant puffballs. Nothing would make me happier. They're It'd so be very joyful. Pillowy. Like the outside is like a little baby's bottom. It and is. Really like bouncy. When they're young, they're white. And then as they get older, they the outside sort of turns brown and starts to crack. But when they're young, if you cut it open, the inside is this like milky, spongy white, but like very dense. So we cut it and then just sauteed it in butter. The thing is they're very, very, very watery. So Uh like you kind of have to, we sauteed it in butter and then just like tried to cook it down, 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 down. But Fisher Neal, who is also an actor who went to Yale drama, who forages a lot, found some, and he was saying that his girlfriend is going to make puffball parmigiana with it like people use them and they're very cool and it's like the essence of mushroom the flavor is so mushroomy it's oh very- good that was my follow-up question because yeah. i will say i don't know if you have the answer to this but you know how some mushrooms like button mushrooms maybe yeah, like no baby flavor. bells they have no flavor and then other mushrooms like a truffle has the most distinct flavor i wonder if that has to do with like what it's growing on. I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, I guess it's such a large fungus is such a large category. It's like, why are these things even related? Right. But they do kind of have the same baseline flavor, but it's just so much more pronounced and it's nuts. I know it's interesting. I mean, I wonder really what that comes from. Cause even as I'm saying, oh, it tastes so much like mushroom that I'm like, wait, what does it even mean to taste like a mushroom? Because I do think, right. It's like, think about a chanterelle versus a truffle, right? It's such a good example. You're so different. But this tastes like the, when you think of mushroom, this tastes like that. The thing is the texture is very, very tricky. So I think, I mean, I'll be intrigued to hear if you can get enough water out of it. My dad did not like it. Harry and I were both like, whatever, there's enough butter on it. It's fine. Yeah. Tell me how you cook it and how it goes. I will. Also, you see how it is on the inside. Cause if it's, if you can cut it and it looks creamy, that's good. If it's already starting to get powdery. That's a nix on the puff bowl. I'll FaceTime you when I open it. Yes, please. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're buying some mushrooms from the farmer's market, from the grocery store. Maybe you're foraging. Like, what do you look for? Yeah. How do you handle them? Make sure, I'd say first things first, that they are dry. We all know we've opened up a crappy package of mushrooms and, you know, the kind that come in the carton and they're covered in plastic. Maybe Sophie's never bought them in her life, but, you know, some of them are a little slimy and they almost smell like fishy when they go bad. They have a really distinct, you're not going to wash that that off. That is, the mushroom itself has degraded. It's going bad. So yeah. you definitely look for ones that are dry. That's why at the grocery store, they're often like in those bins. Do not put them in a plastic bag in your fridge. They go in a paper bag. It needs to be porous, similar to like what you would put 
you know, onions, I never put in a plastic bag. Well, I don't put anything in a plastic bag because I'm talking to Sophie about it, but <laughs> I've seen, I have, I have been known to open uh, friends' fridges and, and, and see mushrooms and, and, you know, the like in plastic bags and take them out, put them in a paper bag. They just That's shouldn't. the death of your shroom, man. You can't. Yeah, it's going to attract water. Water, right. Exactly. And like, I mean, you have to think about it. Imagine like if you were in a plastic bag, you would rather be in a paper bag than a plastic bag. You know, it's like if you're exactly. in a plastic bag, your skin starts to sweat. You're like attached to the plastic. You are just going to start to sauna in there. It's a sauna. It's yeah. repulsive. Whereas if you're in a nice little paper bag, you're staying dry. There's a lot of air coming in. I really think if you are going to the market and you are getting plastic bags, which yes, of course I'm judging the hell out of you, but that's okay. I'm reserving it for this PSA. When you get home, take everything out of the plastic bags. You should not be storing things in plastic bags in your refrigerator. Okay. 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 We got to get back to mushroom. But oh, yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, we do. Okay. It's yeah. true. All everything you're saying is true. And I totally heed your advice, but we got to stick. Let's to get the to topic. At this thing that you're saying, you can submerge mushrooms in cold water. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, myself included, were super wary of, of washing mushrooms and water because I, you think that they're going to soak it all up because they're like these little sponges, but they won't. I mean, think about them. They survive outside. It rains outside. They're fine. Well, it's really good news because often when it comes to cleaning mushrooms, like I'll just clean with a, basically a dry paper towel or like a damp paper towel. Mm-hmm. But it's so true. If you just use your logic, it's like, you're not going to cook them with water, right? Like you're not like steam sauteing your mushrooms because they have right. so much water in them. But if you clean them with a little bit of cold water, great. Dry them in a salad spinner. Love this. Cool. Yes. Just make sure they dry out um, if you're not going to cook them right away. Um, you can do that by the way you store them. You can put them in the fridge in the in a paper bag. Would maybe leave the top open because the fridge is a dry environment. Part of the thing about mushrooms, some of them, like chanterelles, have gills and they can get super dirty. And it, when I the first time I went foraging, I realized they have those gills underneath, and the dirt gets stuck in there, and it's so hard to get out without. Um, ruining the very delicate texture of that mushroom made me realize, oh, that's partially why they're so expensive. Because not only yeah. um, are they rare, but the you have to find ones that are clean because some of them, it's like you you can't clean the dirt out of those gills. It's impossible. Well, also, the life of the lifespan of most mushrooms that you eat is pretty short. So, like if mm-hmm. you have found a mushroom and it looks old, it's old. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like because they get spongy, they get they get really nasty. Yeah. Yeah. So preserve the life of your mushrooms, putting them in a paper bag. Should we talk about, God, we've been, there's so much to say, but should we get on to like cooking mushrooms? Yeah. Let's talk about ways to cook mushrooms. First, I want to talk about though, do you ever eat mushrooms raw? No. Same. I think it's very depressing when I see a sliced button mushroom that is raw. No salad. Yeah. It's just, it's like a weird old folks home salad situation. Like it's the side salad and a side of cottage cheese with like um, canned orange slices that oh. go hand in hand. It's like weird diet food. Yes. You know what? I feel like I see it. The It's served on like one of, one of those glass plates that are like shaped like a, look like a leaf. Yes. You know what I mean? That's that kind of salad. No one eats it. It comes free with your, with like the early bird menu. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. What are your favorite types and favorite ways to cook? This is so hard. I would just say my standby is sauteing them because 
they're a fun food to saute because they change so much. They, uh, they release so much water. I would say helpful tip when you first put them in the pan, people say, don't overcrowd the pan. You can overcrowd the pan as long as you're not moving them for like the first, even like five minutes, because they're going to release water and shrink down. And then there's more space and then they will brown. If you're moving them constantly, obviously they do not brown. I think yeah, they have no constantly move them around. Exactly. And then they don't get brown. So just throw a bunch in a pan, let them sit there for a while. Then they shrink down. They all fit. They start to brown. Then you can move them around. Yeah. Love it. Are you putting some butter into a pan and letting it bu- bubble? And then you're throwing your mushrooms in. Are you putting any garlic in there? Are you using oregano? Like what's time? Wow. So this is a good question. I feel like I used to do like butter or olive oil, it's usually a mix. And then I would throw in some shallot and yep. garlic. Yep. But I almost feel like the mushrooms, when you look at how real deal chefs do it, they do the mushrooms separately, much like meat because they brown and they just, they, they have their own rhythm and yep. different movement patterns than like a shallot, which needs to be moved around. So it's almost like you want to do the mushrooms and the shallot and garlic separately, or like do the mushrooms, take them out, then do the, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still jury's out on this one for me. Yeah. I think that's a nice idea though. Just doing them separately. Maybe I'll try that. Or even just like start the mushrooms, then throw the shallot in. Yeah. I mean, that would work because then the shallot can cook in some of that water that the mushrooms are releasing and brown. Dehydrated mushrooms. I think they're incredible. Yeah. What kind do you buy? Um, uh, we have some dehydrated morels here. We have, we, I always have dehydrated shiitake mushrooms cause they're really great. I make a lot of dashi. So like, I'll just put those into a dashi and it's like, they rehydrate and you're like, wow, I, I have fresh mushrooms. It's just the flavor is preserved so well with a shroom. Just two, two very enthusiastic thumbs up for that in terms of dried. Any other other kinds? Ooh, people love a porcini powder, which yes. I don't love, but people swear yes. by that. Do you have it? Um, I don't at the moment, but I, I have I have had it. Uh, the, you can buy it pre-made or you can make your own. Just blitz it in like a high-speed blender, like a powerful, like a grinder, like a yeah. coffee grinder. And then, and then you can add it to your salt. And then you have like porcini salt, which is a great thing to add on anything while you're cooking. I wouldn't add on something as a finisher. I want to just talk for a second about a cream of mushroom soup, which is so amazing. Yes. You don't need to use that much cream. You guys, I feel like people think, you oh, don't? no, I've never made it mushrooms and chicken stock and then blitz it. Then all you need to do is like add a little bit of cream to finish it. It makes it so thick and creamy. Oh my God. I love a cream of mushroom soup. Me too. I remember uh, very early on in our relationship uh, when Chris and I went on a date and he ordered mushroom soup and like feeling like, oh my God, I'm, this is the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> like he was like, oh, I will definitely have the mushroom soup. And I was like, I, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Me too. I'll also have the mushroom soup. <laughs> so good. Do you know also that like canned Campbell's cream of mushroom soup is like a secret ingredient in casseroles all over the country? Of course I know that. We've only been doing this podcast for a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> for however long. Um, yeah. I'm always surprised yeah. when I see a casserole recipe and someone's like, and they're like, oh yeah, cream of mushroom soup. Wait, what? Yeah. How is that like, detectable? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a classic. I mean, I have never used it as a secret ingredient, but I'm ready to. 
should do a casserole episode. I know. I've never made a casserole. Wow. I don't even know what that means to never have made a casserole. Dinner party expert, my butt. My butt. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I have a quiz for you. In what film are mushrooms the supporting character? Um, that Daniel Day-Lewis one. Yes. Well done. Ding, 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 ding. In the Phantom Thread. If you haven't seen it, it's very good. And I won't give anything about the mushrooms away. Yes. I feel like it's in the other movies too, no? Mushrooms? I don't know. Maybe featured, that was- Featured role. Okay, guys. Please watch the Paul Stamets TED Talk. It's so fascinating. Stamets is spelled S-T-A-M-E-T-S. He's like the mushroom guy. It's very fascinating. It's basically about the way that mushrooms can save the world. So very cool. Um, they're also incredible for immunity. I mean, I could wax on about them forever. But unfortunately, I think we have to go cook some mushrooms. Oh my God. We got to go cook mushrooms. Just one last question. Have you done shrooms? Yes, of course. Have you? Yes, of course. Okay, fine. We leave you there. Well, look, to be continued, I would like, to, that'll be a fun chip hour. <laughs> she does not mean when we do shrooms on air. I, we will never do that. That would be the utmost recipe for paranoia. Yes. Okay, guys, we got to go cook. We're so nervous. We're so excited. Thank you to everybody, to our listeners. Hey, all you Us Weekly readers who came from Buzz welcome. welcome to the fam. Now you can never leave. Yes. All right. We'll see you guys on Chip Hour and maybe a cooking class near you at some point. Woo! Ciao. Bye.